0: Hi, and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I am your host, Matthew Roberts, and this is series two, episode 135 of this podcast. We are continuing with our Come Follow Me study for this week, uh, covering May the 11th to May the 17th. Mosiah 18 to 24, we have entered into a covenant with him. And we are beginning our look at the section covering Mosiah chapters 19 and 20, the words of the prophets will be fulfilled. We're going to stick in uh, chapter 19 today. We are moving away from the people of Alma and going back to King Noah and his people. And it seems that whilst we've been away for a little bit, whilst we've been uh, watching the people of Alma, there's been some um, disputations amongst the people. Uh, In verse 2 of Mosiah chapter 19, it says, And now behold, the, the forces of the king were small, having been reduced, and there began to be a division among the remainder of the people. So it seems that there is a less of uh, less loyalty for King Noah and that there are people who are not happy with him. And it has to you know beg the question, why was this? You know, people seem to be perfectly fine before. Um, is this the legacy of Abinadi? Is the fact that he taught what he did? Uh, And taught the teachings he did, uh, then the fact that Alma started to teach more people in the city, is is this starting to spread? Is the spirit of the Lord becoming more abundant amongst the people? And so therefore, are more people unhappy with Noah and his um, particular uh, characteristics? It it isn't clear. We're not really told. Brant Gardner uh, explained, quote, Mormon has most certainly omitted an important historical episode somewhere between the story of Abinadi and this point. Yet this passage describes a king losing his authority. How has the unity of Noah's people disintegrated into internal factionalism and a reduction of the army? Have unspecified battle losses caused the military reduction? It seems unlikely, since verse 6 specifies a a Lamanite attack with no indication of any previous attack rather the army seems to dwindle through defections. In that case, it would be directly related to the internal dissension. Those who agreed with the dissenters are leaving Noah's service, close quote. So there is clearly, um, you know, I think we focus a lot on the on the impact that Abinadi had in his teaching, even though he seemingly didn't uh, only had one convert that he may not have even been aware of himself. But actually, not only did this one convert go away, and you know, as we spoke about last time, generations of spiritual leadership of the Nephites come from this. But also, amongst the people of King Noah, there was change that started to happen, which I think is important to recognize. Now, Gideon, uh, and Gideon is a great, uh, great man. He um, he recognizes the, um, you know, the the, the failings of his, of the wicked King Noah, and he goes to slay him. Now, obviously, um, you know, whether that's the right thing to do or not, we can't we can't be sure. But um, King Noah gets out of it by noticing there's an army of Lamanites on the horizon. And he says to Gideon, look, help me protect our people. You know, otherwise they're going to die. Um, In verse eight, it says, now the king was not so much concerned about his people as he was about his own life. Nevertheless, Gideon did spare his life. It did make me pause and wonder. Um, Who is recording this? We know that this is a Mormon uh, speaking now, uh, speaking the narrative um, in his abridgment of the uh, the large plates. And uh, you know, how do we know that this is what happened between King Noah and and Gideon? Perhaps Gideon himself um, shared this um, account or this uh, what happened with King Limhi, and perhaps this was shared with with others who were record keepers of the Nephites. Uh, There's many ways that this uh, this could have been shared. But I do um, find interesting King Noah's kind of characteristics here. He is determined to kind of look out for himself. Um, In verse 11, we see this even more. Um, The people realize the Lamanites are coming, they're told to flee, and it seems that they're about to overtake them. And then in verse 11, it says, now it came to pass that the king commanded them that all the men should leave their wives and their children and flee before the Lamanites. Now, I think we easily get lost uh, in the uh, the narrative with these stories, and we focus on the individual characters and the examples that they set. But I think there's a very um, symbolic meaning here for us today. Uh, we know that a lot of um, you know, the temptations and things that distract people today um, do kind of focus on the family. We've been told this, uh, there was a family proclamation to the world for this purpose to help people focus more on the family. Uh, and so, you know, the fact that King Noah, his, um, his strategy is to remove the men from their families and bring them into the wilderness with him is, is fascinating. It is almost like he is kind of a symbol of the adversary of Satan. Uh, that he is trying to rip these families apart for his own gain, um, which, you know, is very, very similar uh, to, to, uh, to our adversary. Uh, and so that is something to be aware of, um, that we are not um, tempted to go away in the wilderness and, and for our own self, selfish selfish gains. And this isn't just men, obviously, this is, this is women, this is all individuals. But obviously, in this um, particular context, it was the men that were, to, were told to leave their wives and their children. So um we then they they then they're left behind King Noah and the men leave some of the men leave. The rest of the men stay and the women and children stay and they're captured. Uh, but but their lives are spared. In verse 15, it says, Therefore the Lamanites did spare their lives and took them captives and carried them back to the land of Nephi and granted unto them that they might possess the land under the conditions that they would deliver up King Noah into the hands of the Lamanites and deliver up their property, even one half of all they possessed, one half of their gold and their silver and all their precious things. And thus they should pay tribute to the king of the Lamanites from year to year. Um, I think that what's important to remember here is that there's a difference between this group and the group of pe- the people of Alma that we'll be speaking about in a couple of days time this people had basically chosen or they they had the choice now to die or to you know give up half of all they owned to the lamanites that was their choice it was down to those two two decisions um well one decision between two choices and i think that we understand this is because they had given up their agency through their Lack of repentance when the, when Abinadi first came, through their lack of change uh, to begin with, um, and their slowness to remember the Lord their God, uh, their, their agency was reduced down because they were not obeying the commandments. And that is an important lesson that we learned, that as we disobey, as we don't obey the commandments, then we lose our agency. You know, choices are taken away from us. Uh, and this is a, a, a perfect example of that. And um, so then we go to verse 20 and King Noah is with the men and they've realized what they've done and it was a foolish thing. And in verse 20, and the king commanded them that they, that they should not return. And they were angry with the king and caused that he should suffer, yea, even unto death by fire. And we see here the words of the prophets will be fulfilled. Joseph Fielding McConkie and Robert L. Millet said this, quote, In fulfillment of Abinadi's prophecy, King Noah is put to death by fire at the hands of his own people. God has promised to recompense unto every man according to his work and measure to every man according to the measure which he has measured in his fellow man. I will visit you the evil of your doings, he promised, and will recompense upon thee all thine abominations. Kings and kingdoms, the great and the small, all are subject to the law of recompense by a just God, who either in this life or the world to come balances all accounts." things will be put right. Things will be um, restored to their proper balance. The, the God is a, is a God of love and he's a God of justice. And so he wishes that all people uh, are able to feel that they have been just dealt dealt with justly. Uh, and so uh, that's something to remember. Now, then later on, it's interesting. Um, it, they, they They make their way back. And I always wonder what it's going to be, you know, they, they knock on the door and they're like, oh, hi, I, I left you to die at the Lamanites. I'm glad to see you're still alive. You know, I wonder how those those conversations happened. But in verse 24, it says, and it came to pass that after they had ended the ceremony, that they returned to the land of Nephi rejoicing because their wives and their children were not slain. And they told Gideon what they had done to the king. Interesting that it uses the word ceremony. What ceremony is it speaking about? Because um, there is, doesn't seem to be a specific mention of a specific ceremony. Uh, there's actually just been a know-why published, I think it was just this week, about this this ceremony. And there's a few um, kind of theories behind what it was. Uh, John Tavidonis suggests that it may have been a Nephite purification ceremony. They had just killed King Noah and they were purifying themselves of you know his wickedness, perhaps. Um, also, it could have been a ceremony of submitting themselves to the, the rule of the Lamanite king and accepting officially his 50% tax. Uh, It could have been a ceremony of accepting Limhai as their new king, as they had been separated from the main group, um, and they had killed the old king, and so he was now officially the new king. Um, You know, so it's you know it could be a number of things, Uh, and so you know it. it, it, And there is also some scholars that believe it could be also a typo uh, in the print in the printer's manuscript. So. I don't think it really matters so much, but as long as we know that there is a number of factors and there are things that were changing for this group of people uh, that they would have to adjust to. And this ceremony may have been marking one of those things. But finally, in verse 26, we uh, we return back to Limhi. He is now in the situation that we found him, really, uh, when Ammon and his, and his group meet. Uh, they are under this uh, heavy tax from the Lamanites. Um, and it's, you know, it's difficult for Limhi for the situation that he has been really put in by his father. Um, and under this tribute that they are under, Lee L. Donaldson said this, Noah did not provide for succession to his throne. Instead, his son Limhi was appointed king by the people after his father's kingdom had collapsed. There There is no record of Noah's ever having taught Limhi about royal responsibilities. Ironically, Limhi's first official act as government was to indenture his people to the Lamanites. Noah's reign brought about his people's bondage and landed his son in a political quagmire close quote. So often we see that uh, the, the choices of the fathers do have an impact on the children, uh, and so that is something to consider uh, as we uh, as we go forward in this life. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the study. Uh, please share your thoughts. And, uh, you can email Session at gmail.com. And of course, there's the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. I'll share the new Know Why on there regarding the ceremony in this chapter. Uh, and there's always usually uh, a daily thing to, to uh, read on there that I post. And there's many things other people post as well. Thank you for your time. And until we meet again.